This is John Byrne, the lead pastor here at Grace Fellowship, and this is the Grace Deep Dive Podcast, recorded deep in the depths of the Grace Fellowship basement here in Lakewood, Colorado. We dive a little deeper into Sunday sermon. I'm Johnny McCloskey, and I'll be your host on the Grace Deep Dive Podcast. You know, John, I was uh, at that conference that you were at, at the church in Aurora, yeah, well, okay, but so what if somebody listening to this has no idea what we said? On yeah, Sunday? so we talked about, so so basically in the beginning of your sermon, you talked about how you would like to see us as a church get a little bit more, because we, we were at a black That's church. exactly what I said. I said, yeah, we were. We were, we're at, at a black we were church, at a, and they know how to do it. Let's just, let's just go put it like that. I said, I said it would be all right if little they amen, were a little more interactive. A little yeah. amen, a little preach yeah. it, yeah, kind yeah. of thing like that. Yeah. Well, you don't understand, too, I mean... Those those preachers, they get us going, you know. So you're saying I don't? Is that what you're saying, Johnny? <laughs> all I'm saying, all I'm saying is you got to do a little bit of yelling sometimes. I got to yell you gotta a little, little bit more. Got to get a little little quiet, little quiet. Yeah, yeah I really just got to add some come on nows in come there. Come on now, come, come on, on now, yeah. come on. You know, but I just don't think it's I just don't think it's your style. No, I, I don't think know. You just need to be you, and we'll be us, and yeah. we'll all we'll all work it out. No, we were we were at a, a conference uh, for. Converge, which is kind of like our denomination, and it was it was at one of our sister churches, which is a pr- predominantly black church, and and uh, it was it was great. We got to worship with them and uh, hear them preach, and yep. uh, some of our some of our dearly beloved uh, brothers and sisters, and they maybe challenged us. Well, they our, made, and they made fun of us too. They did make for, fun of us for a clap, little bit for clapping on one and three. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Because there was a. We're I think doing, they only did it once, but they they were clapping on two and four, and it was a mess. Uh, we were doing pretty good. I thought we were doing pretty good. I don't know. It yeah. was, it was, uh, I actually leaned over to my wife at one point and said, I think they keep changing the, the tempo. On purpose? Yeah. Just kind of throw us off. I, no, the tempo of the song. Oh. I don't think it was on purpose, but oh, okay. gotcha. because he'd be, I'd be clapping and all of a sudden I was off and I was like, what just happened here? Yeah. But anyways, so I, I swear, I swear that there's like elevation <laughs> worship and those, you know, since I do worship and stuff, yeah. I swear there's sometimes where they just change it in the middle. Just, just to mess with me. Right. I'm like, oh, no, to you for sure. I think I got, no, I don't got it. I'm off now. Yeah. Um, so anyways, we're at episode 68. John, uh, yes. put, put your money where your mouth is. Uh, okay. And that's just that's just a command from you, actually, John. Oh, well, it wasn't exactly a command, but you yeah. said You said, the title of the sermon, put I your did. money where your mouth is. We're in the final days of Jesus. Um, and so you basically it was the story of the virgins, the ten virgins who were waiting for the bridegroom. Yeah. And then also then what the other one was. Um, the parable of the talents, yeah. Yeah, the talents, the right? The bags of money. Or... Yeah, the bags of money. Which, by the way, I noticed a little bit of your Minnesota accent coming through. Is that right? Yeah, because you say bags. Bags? That's not a Minnesota thing. It's not? No, it's it, you hear that. It's You hear it everywhere. What is that? So bags. What do you say? Bags. Bags? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You say you have a little bit. Something comes out a little bit. I yeah, noticed. I might say it. I might say it a little different. But even even in Minnesota, you get you get people making fun of other people for really? how they say that word. Uh, that's yeah. Funny, yeah. So, yeah. anyways, uh, yeah. So we're we're uh, talking about the ten virgins, the bag, the bags of money. See now, I'm, See? now I'm messing it up. Oh yeah. Now, oh John, you say bags funny. Yeah. And then you just go turn around and say, I know, See, you're, you're right. such a hypocrite. I, I'm a hypocrite. <laughs> John, aren't we all? Aren't uh, we all? Uh-huh. We are. So, John, so I have a couple questions for you yeah. as we kind of jump in here. Um, this actually is a, a good question for me because I'm not saying I'm, I'm building a heresy of hell <laughs> in my mind. Um, okay. But I've been kind of like struggling a little bit. You know, I need to probably do some more research. That's, that's good to know. That's first, let me just say that. When you feel yourself building up a, a theory, you know, <laughs> it's always good to, to research it 
it's always good to study it. Yeah. And it's always good to let the truth change your theory. That's right. And so, that, you know, that's where you get a lot of heresies. That's, that's, yeah. So yeah. a little public service announcement. Yeah. But, a so, PSA there. so I, I've been kind of like thinking in my mind and I'm, I'm not like, not there, but you know, I, we're going to talk about it in, the, in this passage, the weeping and gnashing of teeth, you yeah. know, whatever. And uh-huh. then every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, uh-huh. right? I think it's it's going to be true, like, wow, I was wrong uh-huh. if every knee is going to bow, right? It's yeah. not going to be like, you know, these evil people are going to be like, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to kneel or whatever because you're going to execute me or something. It's like true allegiance, even though they're not going to spend eternity with, he- with him in heaven. So is... The, well, the, the, so I'll go to my question. <laughs> Someday. S- some virgins, <laughs> some virgins were turned away at the wedding celebration. Yeah. Um, is that a picture of hell? I, oh yeah. I think what's being talked about there is salvation and it absolutely, I, I think the idea is, um, they weren't prepared for the bridegroom. The bridegroom was Jesus, mm-hmm. the second coming. And, and I think it is speaking about salvation and the, you know, at the end of that parable, um, they could not come into the party uh, and, and, and the bridegroom basically said, I don't know you. I don't know who you are. Mm-hmm. You're not um, on the list, basically. Right. Yeah, yeah, you're not on the list. You're not in the book, whatever um, analogy you want to use. And so I think, I think that's absolutely what's being talked about, that they were, they were turned away um, because there is a time of decision, if you will, and that's this life. And if at the end of this life your decision is not for Christ, then – then it is it is against him. Now that doesn't mean it's not like whose team are you on. A decision for Christ is a recognition of my need for redemption, right? And and accepting the gift of salvation that is freely offered through Jesus Christ. And so, and so that's what the decision is. And and to reject that is to um, is to say I don't want that. And and God um, isn't going to force you to accept something that. That, that you don't want to accept. If you don't want to spend eternity with God, that's fine. If you don't want to accept the gift of salvation, that's fine. Don't put your faith in Jesus. Mm-hmm. And he'll, he'll, he'll respect that decision. Um, but it isn't the kind of thing where it's like all of a sudden, you know, I want, I want to do this and then, and then God takes it away. No, it's your decision. Gotcha. So, do you, so is it, you know, because I think of the, the idea of weeping and gnashing of teeth and, and this allegiance yeah. type thing where people are going to bow. Yeah. But they're not going to. But he's still going to say, I don't know you. Is is hell going to be? I know we're on the doctrine of hell all of a sudden. Is it going to be one of those things where I mean, is it like fire and torture and all that kind of stuff? Like we like we think about in Hollywood yeah. or is it going to be? You know, in my mind is almost, and I don't, I don't have a theory on hell yet, but it's almost like in my mind, it's going to be intense regret and remorse and sorrow and, you know, not necessarily, you know, you know, flames and, and whatever it's going to be, I want, I'm going to miss out for all of eternity. And he is my King. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't show allegiance to him. Yeah. I think, I think the most important things for us to know about hell are not, you know, is there going to be flames um, or something like that? It is, it is referred to the lake of fire. We have that. Um, so, so, so there's some references to that. Uh, and, and I don't know to what degree those are symbolic and not symbolic. Um, lake could, of fire is for Satan, though, right? Yeah, but uh, in, it's who it was designed for. But then okay. you, you get to join him. <laughs> okay. So, um, 
so I, I don't, I think the most important thing for us to recognize is this, that, that hell is the separation from God. And, and for some that might not sound like that big a deal. Like they go, Oh, well, I'm not, I don't, I don't even like God. I currently, yeah. yeah. Currently so it sounds good to me. I'll, huh. I, I'd rather be apart from him. Um, but I, I don't think people who say that or think that understand God's grace, even his, um, what we would call a common grace and its impact in the world we live in that that the every good and perfect thing comes from God as 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 it says in James and so and so whatever good there is in life it comes from God it's from him um and so we need to recognize that that to be separate separated from God for eternity is to be separated from all that is good um and so so we might think well I don't even like God because I have a beef with him or whatever. I, I've got a bone to pick or however, whatever phrase you want to use. Um, he's a manipulator. He's yeah. yeah. What, whatever your, whatever your view of God is, you think you don't, you think you have an issue with him and you very well may in the sense that you may be upset with him for some reason or not like him or not like the idea of God as you perceive him to be. But, but I think that's a mistake in understanding who God really is and what it means to be separate from him. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, like, you know, I keep going back to that, that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And that means every knee. Yeah. Right. So it's like those people will see clearly. It's like the 10, it's like the five virgins who weren't prepared. Right. They, when they saw him, they said, oh yes, this is, let's do this. I want this. And it's like, well, you're not ready. Yeah. You you weren't ready for it. Right. Um, And I, and I, and I do think that's kind of the point is this whole idea of, of I'll I'll handle God later in mm -hmm. life. I'll worry about my spiritual life later. Uh, right now, I'm busy doing other things. That's a mistake. It's a, it's a big mistake. Number one, you don't know how long you have, and you don't know when the bridegroom is coming. And when he comes, it's too late. Mm-hmm. And, and bridegroom, of course, meaning Jesus as yes, he returns. Yeah, that's right. Um, aside from salvation, talking about that preparation and readiness, is there something else that we could be doing to get ready for Jesus' return? Yeah, I mean, it depends on what you mean by that. I, I think... Um, in one sense, no. Salvation is what you need to do to be ready. But there are many things that follow from that, uh, from salvation. And so I, I said this on Sunday, and I think this is important for us to remember. What, what Christians, what pastors and preachers should be preaching is not a cheap, a cheap grace or an easy believism or whatever, um, those kinds of things. What we should be preaching is is true grace that results in certain aspects of our life changing. And, and I think that's, that's important. It's not, you know, if you raised your hand on Sunday and said, I believe in Jesus, and that was the end of it, and then you go out and live like it, it's, and it literally makes no change in your life. So there's, there's no discernible fruit from that. Then, then I don't, I'm not sure you really did put your faith and trust in Christ, mm. right? So there should be discernible fruit when a person puts their faith and in, in, in trust in Christ. Um, the idea that I went down, you know, summer camp or whatever it was, or, uh, you know, I raised my hand on Sunday, I said a prayer. That's great. That's a, those are great things. They're a good start. But, it's, but if that was sincere and real, then it should result in a changed life. Um, and so the preparation is... To the extent that we are able, bringing heaven here to earth. You know, even Jesus, when he taught the disciples to pray, he said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The idea being that that we should pray that God's will is done here, that his grace is experienced here to the extent that it is possible in, in the here and now. It will be fully realized later in the, in the new heavens and the new earth. But 
but there's a sense in which we can bring that kingdom here in the, in the or we can bring that that kingdom to earth in here now and we should do that we should seek to do that we should uh seek to reflect god's goodness in in, in this earth and in this life it's almost like when you think about um just kind of the, the 10 versions that you know they knew the bridegroom was coming they all knew that but there were a certain few that that ignored the distractions of whatever or the inconveniences, whatever, of life, whatever whatever is trying to distract them and take them away from the bridegroom coming yeah. and them being prepared. Uh-huh. Uh, there were five that were focused on, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to burden myself and, and carry extra oil. Right. I'm going to try to, you know, I think they all fell asleep, but I'm going to try to stay, I'm going to try to do what I can do to make sure that I'm not pulled away from my, from my mission of, uh-huh. of waiting for the bridegroom, you know? Yeah. And I think even for us, like, you know, we need to be very careful not to be, you know, this is, I always get distracted, but we need not be distracted or pulled away from the mission, mm. you know, and that's part of preparation too. You're, you're now saved. You're, you have this ability to farm or cult. I mean, I'm thinking of the seed analogy, like always constantly tilling the land and, and throwing down fertilizer and, and watering and doing all the, yeah. all the things that you're supposed to be doing to prepare for the harvest. Yeah. You know, like we're, we're now farmers. Now let's go and, and do those things and not be distracted by, you know, oh, it's cold outside. I don't want to go out and, and till the land. I don't want to go out and, and pull weeds. I don't want to do those things. But it's so important that we, we are doing those things and, and as part of preparation as well. Well, yeah, I mean, our faith is really, it's a relational faith. It isn't, Jesus isn't a genie in a bottle. He's not, uh, you know, um, I mean, you read the Old Testament. He's constantly harping on, on Israel and Judah and uh, when they turn from God and turn to these idols and he's constantly saying these things like these these idols made by you know human hands it's, it's, they, they're bowing and worshiping wood you know it's it's literally a wood object and ba- there's nothing there it seems so foolish it, it does seem so foolish and and, and yet. there's a sense in which God kind of makes fun of Israel in a, but in a very serious way going you guys are so dumb. I mean, you, you're literally taking on these gods from these other nations and, and worshiping them, and they're made out of human hands. They're, they're nothing. They're, they're, they're Cheap figurines. Yeah. And, and, and they're, they can't, there's no power in them. They can't do anything. And you think of the prophets of Baal, right? And, and, the, uh, and, and the encounter with Elijah, and, and, and Elijah's like, you know, oh, you know, your, your God must be out going to the bathroom and, and just really, really ridiculing the idea of worshiping something other than the true God. And I, and I think, um, I think we lose, we we're distracted by silly, ridiculous things. And, and we get those things that distract us. It's not, um, we're all susceptible to them, Mm -hmm. but we need to recognize them and reject that distraction. And it's hard to do in this world because the world wants us to worship a lot of things. We may not worship a figurine that we have on our, shelf at home or something we may not have a little shrine built in our backyard or whatever um but what we do have is we have uh constantly we're being told to worship a political figure or we're told to be to worship material possessions or we're or we're told to worship um the earth itself and i think it comes in kind of these i don't know how to put it veiled 
ways like you know we should care about our environment we should we should care about god's creation is how we should talk about it we Mm -hmm. should be stewards of god's creation but we should not worship our environment we don't worship the earth the earth was created for us that doesn't mean we should use it and abuse it we should use it but not abuse it And, and and there's legitimacy in taking care of god's creation as a matter of fact we're commanded in genesis to do so but but to worship, it's a problem. It's confusing the creation for the creator. Um, so environmentalism, I think, is one area where we where we see a, a modern day idol. All kinds of uh, social justice causes can become idols. And again, that doesn't mean we shouldn't be concerned about justice. We should. God God commands us to do that. We see that especially in the Old Testament prophets. But it, but it is not our idol. We cannot confuse that with the creator. The, the one who will ultimately bring real true justice for, for eternity. And, and so we, we do that all the time. Oh, the government is going to solve all our problems. The government is not going to solve all your problems. Mm-hmm. I, I don't care how good the government is. If it's, if it's at human hands, it will not solve all your problems. There's only one that can do that, Jesus. And, and so I think that we have these idols. We just disguise them. Well, I think those are, those are kind of noble idols, you know, that you're kind of saying, like, these, to want to do justice and to love of course. love and care for creation, all that kind of stuff. And I think it does become an idol. What Anything becomes an idol, I think, when it, at some point, when it falls or fails or something doesn't protect it and it crumbles, right? Well, it's an idol because we value it or we put it above God. Yeah, and not I think whether it fails or succeeds. Well, I think sometimes too, like we might think we're we're um, not putting it above God. Sometimes we go, well, yeah. I'm going to do this 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 cause or whatever, and you know, and then all of a sudden something happens where that cause doesn't work out or mm-hmm. something ha- attacks it and God didn't protect it, and then when the fist goes up against God, like you, you know, you didn't allow this to happen, or I'm fighting for this cause, and 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 now we're you know we lost this case or something, mm-hmm. and now. This this thing's gonna you know then like the fist goes up against God why would you let this happen and I yeah. think oh, okay yeah. I think we have an idol here you know yeah. I think anytime the fist raises against God yeah. or the doubts go against him or the we turn our back against him we that identifies yeah. as an idol another one's happiness this is this is a really common one too mm-hmm. my either my own or my kids right and and so I I hear parents say this all the time and and I, I probably don't harp on this enough I've I've mentioned it from time to time but. Um, but sometimes I'll hear parents say, I just want my kid to be what? Happy. Happy. That's really a bad goal for you to have for your kid. It's a really bad one because happiness does not lead to flourishing. It does not need, lead to reflecting the image of God that's that's designed in them necessarily. Happiness is momentary a lot of times. There's a lot of suffering in scriptures. Job suffered and, and Paul suffered and Peter suffered and all of these Biblical figures, the prophets of the Old Testament suffered. They were imprisoned. They were beaten. They were killed. Um, that's it, that doesn't def, that doesn't fall within the framework of modern day, a modern day understanding of what happiness is. And and I got to be honest, if that's happiness is the wrong goal, happiness becomes an idol. Oh yeah, that's one of my biggest idols. I yeah. think I was thinking about that last night. You know, with the whole coronavirus scare and all that kind of stuff. I go, you know, which I just want to go on record as saying two things. Number one, I just had got done having a conversation with Cheryl about this, and uh, and and we're we're taking the necessary precautions here at Grace. We're you know making sure sanitizer, all that kind of stuff. Number two, 
it's not nearly as bad as the media is making it sound. So relax a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so with that said, yeah. just two things, John. That's pretty yeah, good for you. I know. Um, and they were concise too. They're concise. Uh, no, with the whole coronavirus stuff and and even whatever the flu, not a big deal. But the fact that of maybe ec- economy shutting down, um, the lack of you know toilet paper, the lack yeah. of the lack of cleaning supplies. I, somebody needs to explain the toilet paper. Quarantine, to me. all that kind of stuff. I, I I go for me. It's it's. I started. I can't handle. You know, if if for some reason like we're shutting off your water, I am so weak when it comes to like the comforts of life. Uh huh. That. If you were to say, you know, you have no running water or you're out of toilet paper, I would probably die. <laughs> because I, I, You think you would die, but yeah. you would not. You but would the, be just fine. But the reality is, I, I, I was just thinking about this last night, is I do have an idol of comfort. Uh-huh. I do have an idol yeah. of happiness. And when that comfort is taken away or is challenged, then God is the first one that gets ignored yeah. or gets, you know, like, why why are you doing this to me? You know, right. like, and it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. I think that's an idol in my life. Absolutely. And I, I need to be able to toughen up. I was at, a, you know, the conference we were talking about, and I went to a, a breakout session talking about suicide. And, yeah, and yeah, how it's, oh, yeah. And the, there's a counselor um, that led it, and he was basically saying, you are the, you know, leaders in the church. Do me a favor. Counsel your, or teach your people the idea that suffering is okay Yes. And that is biblical. Yes. Because if you don't do this, yes, then the uh, suicide and depression and anxiety um, pandemic is going to continue to, to happen. Yep. It's going to continue to run amok. You need to tell your people that suffering is okay, that it's going to happen. You're going to be uncomfortable and you're going to learn and push through it. Please, please. Absolutely. Do this to your, for your people. 100%. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, you're right. Yeah. So. And, and, and we do. I, I think I talk about that a fair amount from the pulpit and. Um, you know, that suffering is just part of what we should expect in this life. Mm-hmm. But yeah, definitely comfort is, and comfort and happiness is a huge idol. Yeah. Um, other things too, you know. And we, I think we all have that mm. one. Like, I think I have that one for sure. Oh yeah. There's areas for sure. Um, you know, but I got to reject that and, and, uh, and, and stay focused on Jesus and remember the, the admonition of, from the author of Hebrews, right. Uh, to, um, keep my focus on Jesus, who's the author and perfecter of my faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so important. So when you think about this idea of preparation, um, is this, because you're doing stuff, right? You're you're doing stuff. Yeah. Is there a temptation to mix it with like a workspace salvation? Like since I'm, you know, if I want to continue to be saved, you know, or I have to do these things in order to be saved, um, is there is there a temptation to mix those two? Of course there is. Yes. And how do we not do that? I mean, I, I'm a, I'm a workspace guy. That's my <laughs> my natural leaning is yeah. to go. Okay, I got to work at this yeah. thing. So how do we not do that? How um, do I not do that? I I think it's a, it's number one. It's a constant battle. It's not something you do once. It's going to be a constant battle. Dang it. Yeah. Number two, I think that we 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 tend to err in two directions on this. One, we we get so anti works. We get so concerned about works having anything to do with our salvation that we separate the two so far. We almost reject it. That we almost reject yeah. doing any, any kind of good thing. And and it's and it's that's ridiculous. Uh, any you know, Ephesians two, eight, nine, right? For it is by grace you are saved through faith, not of yourself, is a gift of God, not by works so that no man can boast, right? But what about verse ten? So you can do these good works which God has already designed for you to do. Um, we are we are our salvation results in good works. That's not only um, 
a good thing. It's an expected thing. And so, and so works are connected to our salvation, not that we earn our salvation, but that because we are redeemed, we now seek to serve God and to honor him and to glorify him with every aspect of our life. That's what we strive after. That's what we seek to do. Not because we have to, to earn salvation, but because we love Jesus and we love, love him for the sacrifice he made for us and, and that he provided life eternal and he provided eternal justice and he will wipe every tear from my eye and there'll be no more death. There'll be no more dying. There'll be no more coronavirus. I'm pretty Ooh. sure that it says corona. I think that's the Greek word for sickness in Revelation. It, it's yeah, not. It's not. That, yeah. But, but um, <clears throat> you know, the, all that stuff will go away. Why? Because Jesus has accomplished that for us. And so out of a love and a, and a, and a grateful attitude um, for him and to him, we do good things. But mm. it's not to earn salvation. It's a result of our salvation. And, and it's not casual. It's not, well, if I get around to doing good things because of my salvation, I'll do it. No, we seek, we strive, we work hard to do them um, because, because we're so grateful and because God has, has shown us such a great love. And the reality is there are things that will try to pull us away from doing those things. 100%. And that's why we need to push. That's why we, we have the ability. Now we just need to, to hone that in a little bit more uh, daily and watch out for the things that will slow that down essentially yeah yeah I, I would you know we have the ability to to do produce good works to glorify God and to honor him and to do good works um we we do God's given given that to us um but that's not to say that we won't struggle at times yeah. and, and need to seek forgiveness and and to embrace the gift of forgiveness that we've received the gospel because we messed up one more time <laughs> yeah amen right Amen. Preach. There you go, John. You Preach got, it. You got, you got one out Preach of me. Preach it. You got one hey, out of me. I'm just saying, if you want to come to church and you want to like yell out an amen or appreciate yeah, it. a little bit. You gotta, we'll take it. Yeah, it's we'll to, take it. To a certain extent, I tell no, you, John. just go for it. <laughs> Don't even listen to Johnny. Here's the thing. Um, in, in our church, I doubt that we're going to overdo it. The, the, that's that's the, true. That's not, that's not dangerous. We're not going to overdo it. Exactly. Undo it maybe, but not overdo it. So uh, second part of this, the sermon. Yeah. The talents. Yeah. So, John, I'm a barrier. I'm a barrier. I'm a barrier. Did you spell barrier? I'm a person who buries, B-U-R-Y. Okay. I'm a person who tends to bury uh, talents. Oh, okay. Because I want to preserve. I don't want to ruin it. I don't want to lose it. That's kind of how I am. That's my mentality. First of all, how do we, how do we reproduce our resources? If we've been given resources, how do we reproduce them? I'm not, I'm not sure I totally understand that question. I think some reproduce, some resources can be reproduced. Some can't. Um, or double our double our talent, you know. You know, if we're given a certain amount of talent or whatever, and then you you've given five bags. Yeah. How do you get ten? Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, Investing sorry. it. Yeah, that that makes a little more sense. Sorry, I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, double my money. How do I double my money? How, how do you double your money? Not my physical. We money. We are not um, financial advisors. Financial no, advisors. And that not. is not what we are going to advise you on. Um, however, I I do think it's important to understand that we. Um, it's an investment in the kingdom, right? We reproduce yep. ourselves in our in our in our in our salvation. We reproduce that by discipling others, right? By bringing others to Christ, by um, uplifting others, by loving others in the church, using the gifts that God's given us to edify the church. Um, um, those kinds of things. Now, here's the thing that I think was important for us to understand is that no one is exempt from this. You do, you are not exempt from using the gifts, skills, and talents that, that you have for the sake of the kingdom. And if you do that, 
then you will be reproducing. If you don't use them for the Sega Kingdom, then you will not be reproducing. Gotcha. So if you're an engineer, you know, one of the one of the people that we support here at Grace, so when you give at Grace, one of the people that gets a portion of that money is is uh, John Agee. And John Agee is an engineer. And he's over in uh, Senegal, and he designs uh, facilities for ministries that are ministering in one of the one of the most needy places in the world in Senegal. And, uh, and he uses his engineering skills and gifts and talents for the sake of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Now he's obviously in missions, but that doesn't mean you have to just be in yeah, missions. So no. you, you can have an engineer's mind. You can work at Lockheed Martin or absolutely Bo- Boeing and still hundred percent. How, yeah. How does that work? Cause obviously you're not working for a mission anymore, but, yeah. but you could still, I'm sure there's ways. I mean, you're not an engineer, but... Well, yeah, and I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say that I can figure it out for every... Because you were full-time ministry your whole life. Right, most of it, but okay, yeah, but I, let's I mean, say, I've worked in other places. Let's yeah. say, John, that you are you, you decided to, to resign from the church, let's just say. Something, yeah, something happens. that is not what I'm deciding to do, but okay, yeah, Okay, but let's ahead. say you don't work in the church. <laughs> I just don't want to spread rumors. Yeah. Let, I mean, let's pretend you're in construction, because yeah. you used to have a construction that, yeah. background. So right now you're a construction worker. Yeah. Not, you know, pastor. What do you... Yeah. How do you use your... How do you re- multiply those talents? Yeah, well, I think there's tons ways. Number one is that is that I'm first and foremost a follower of Jesus Christ, not a construction worker okay. or an engineer or whatever, or right? pastor, like, or 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 yeah, or even pastor. Um, so I'm a follower of Christ. So so I live that wherever I go. So back when I was uh, doing construction, I I worked with some. Let's just put it. Let's just put it this <laughs> way: some ungodly people. Sure. <laughs> All right. And and so, but I had a witness with them. So the people I worked with, I used my gifts and my talents. I did the best work I could. I worked hard because it glorified and honored God. God, And I was not perfect by any means, but I sought to do as good as I can for the sake of the kingdom. And and I had opportunity to witness. I had opportunity to have conversations about Jesus, to invite people to church, to tell them about the gospel, all of those things because of what I was doing and because I worked hard. Now, if I was lazy, what would that do for my witness? If I didn't work hard, if I didn't do a good job, if I didn't hone my skills, what would that say about the kingdom? What would that say about about my my faith and 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 what I believe about Jesus? You know, so I can use those things as a witness. So if I'm pushing paper, then push it well. If I'm, you know, whatever, if I'm a lawyer, then I'm going to have integrity in my practice. If I'm a doctor, I'm going to have integrity in my practice. I'm going to seek to heal. God is the healer. God is the God of justice. And if I'm a lawyer, I'm going to seek justice. Um, If I'm a counselor and and I'm going to show compassion and hopefully that will reflect um, the good news of Jesus Christ. and, and, And there can be opportunities to to help people understand that God is a compassionate God. He's a kind God, a loving God, and a God who re- redeems and restores and heals not just physically but the psyche as well. So I think I think there's all kinds of ways to do that. You can use it specifically in ministry and for mission. Um, but even if you're working in a secular environment, that is your mission field. That is where you go every day. You get up in the morning, you know, pray before you walk into that place. Pray for the people that you're going to be communicating with that day, that you will reflect um, Jesus, that mm. you will uh, work hard, that they will see your work ethic and that and the quality of your work, and that, and that that will speak volumes, and and then you'll have opportunities to speak words that that represent the gospel. So dare I say, John, that obviously we we always presume that. The pastor is definitely reproducing like a man, right? We think that, right? Yeah. But in reality, sometimes that construction worker can be doing a lot more in a sense because maybe because they're taking a light 
into a darker place. Absolutely. You're still shining your light, which is great, every Sunday. You're shining it to a lot of believers and unbelievers. Yeah. But in some ways, they're taking a light to a place that you can't, John, mm-hmm. as a pastor. 100%. And that's almost, and that's a really great thing that we we need to celebrate that. Like, just because you're not, you know, and maybe you're an engineer, but you're not in Senegal, yeah. France, and you're at Lockheed Martin, mm. or, you know, or your construction work, or, whatever, or you're a painter and you're doing this yeah. kind of stuff, you get to take a light into potentially a very dark place. Yeah. And that's an awesome thing. Yeah. And then, and, and, and whatever, and whatever fruit you mm. get from, from the business world or whatever you do for a living, you know, financially, you can support other ministries and stuff that are, that are doing good work. And, mm-hmm. and, and yeah, even us here at Grace, you know, supporting us is not just supporting us. It's supporting people literally around the world who are, who are doing that. And, and then us in our community as we do that. Mm. So John, I got one more question for you before we close it out. Yeah. Um, like I said, I, I'm a, I'm afraid of failing. That's my biggest thing. So, and you, I loved your quarterback analogy. Where we drafted a nice, a nice young, uh, yeah. a nice young quarterback. Which actually, at the Broncos, we do have a nice young quarterback. Yeah, I don't and know. He, I don't they, know if we do or not. They did play him last year a little bit. Um, we'll the, see. The, no, he looks pretty <laughs> good. But the, but the point is, your your point was, you don't just sit your quarterback because you're afraid he's going to get hurt. Yeah, you got to put him in. You got to put him in some tough gotta situations. You got to risk him a little bit so that he can grow. Yeah. and do that kind of stuff. And. And basically, we need to do that in our faith, too. 100%. We need to be able to take a risk and fail. You had a, a thing on, actually, Facebook I saw this morning. Uh-oh. Yeah. No, it's not No, it's not your personal page, so you're good, John. Oh. It's not, it's not like great. It's on Grace's page. Oh. But it was talking about how God doesn't just use our the good oh, things yeah. we can do. Right? He uses our failures, our missteps, our mess-ups, our tragedies, and everything else we have. So God's basically redeeming everything. Yeah. My question is, man, when you fail... Yeah. Is there any redemption? I mean, I know there is. Yes. But how is there? I mean, come on. Like you failed. Yeah. How, how is there? How is that redeeming? How is God honored by that? How is he? How is there a smile on his face when we fail? I don't get that. Well, he's not honored in the failure itself. But I think our failures, oftentimes, especially when we recognize them and realize that, um, that uh, that we failed. And, you know, if it's a moral failure, we, we repent and we say, thanks, thank goodness for the grace of God. And God's honored in that. Right. So it's not that he's he uses the failure itself, but he uses his redemption of that failure. Right. And sometimes sometimes our failures are, uh, you know, one of the things that I, I did, I did a church plant back in Minnesota and, and I would I would say it failed. The church didn't didn't survive. We, we gave it a, gave it a run for about three years. And, and I would look back and say, yeah, the church failed. And I would say that I failed as a leader in that in that um, time as well, uh, and and I've failed since then, and I will fail in the future, right? But I I can also look back and go, there were people we ministered to, there were people that came to know Jesus, there were people that came back to the church who had been outside the church, um, that that uh, engaged in 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 their Christian faith once again. Um, we we saw fruit from even that time, even though I would say that that. And that it was a failure. The church isn't there anymore. Yeah, shut down. It's shut down. So so I opened the doors and I closed the doors, right? Mm-hmm. It was me. I was the problem, at least one of them. So, so I think that we need to understand that. I think um, we think much too highly of our own ability to succeed. And we think much too uh, negatively about the impact that our failures will have. God will use those things. And we don't always see how. Sometimes God uses 
uh, tragedy and, and, and people are able to see that you go, you know what, but I have hope in a life beyond this life. And that is a witness to Jesus Christ mm-hmm. and God's goodness. Um, sometimes God will use our illness and, and, uh, and when we are able to express that God is a great healer and that that's ultimately what we seek is, is the, the great healing. Um, not that we seek after death in any way, but that, that God eventually does that. And that's where we put our hope. That, that can be a powerful message. When we have moral failures and, and we seek forgiveness and we repent and people it's see the repentance, thing. it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. It's not beautiful that we failed. It's beautiful what God did with it when redeeming and, and forgiving. And we're able to see it, I think, and too. And we're able to yeah. see it. Yeah, so he uses all those things. And it's a redemption. And that's that's what's important is, you know, fail big. Don't, don't, don't <laughs> seek moral failure. But, like, just what I mean by Try. that is take risks. Like, like go for something. We're, we think much too highly of our ability to keep ourselves safe. And usually in, in, in an attempt to be safe, we end up failing. And we bury our treasure. We don't do, we bury our treasure. Yeah. You know, John, I, when you're saying that, you know, you're talking about how your church plant failed, whatever. Yeah. Well, quote unquote failed. Uh, no, it failed. Okay. Don't, don't try to like sugarcoat but, it. No, but here's what I'm thinking. <laughs> here's what I'm thinking. So there's churches that are tens of thousands. And I would say in some ways, they would say, oh, we're succeeding. But maybe yeah. not necessarily. Yeah. If 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 there is um, a watering down of the gospel, if there is you know yeah uh, a shallowness to it, maybe yeah. I'm just I'm not I have no church in mind. I'm just saying, um, but maybe there is uh, a sense of we're there aren't succeeding. And yeah. I think while you're talking, I was they could th- even be leading people astray, which is much worse. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. And I was thinking in my mind, I go, I think our definition of failure is. And success is actually the problem because even when you crash and burn, it doesn't mean you failed. It just right. means you crashed and burned. Right. You got up again. That's, that's great. And that's part of the learning process. And right. it's part of get, getting you stronger. So right. why is that, you know, even like you think of when you think about working out, you know, you, it, you know, I, I was talking to a guy and he says, I push my muscles so hard and I don't stop until I fail. Yeah. And I was like, what? Yes. Like you want to be, you know, he'll even grab the, the, the bench press bar with no weight on it and start going like 50 reps on that thing. And so towards the very end, you watch him he's shaking and he's trembling and he can't get the bar off his chest. And how embarrassing is that? <laughs> but what is he doing? He's pushing his muscles to failure yep. so that he can get stronger. I think, I think that's, we just need to remember and be encouraged that. You didn't fail. Like even the sense of, even the sense of your church plan. I'm not saying that your church plan didn't quote unquote fail, but there still was, it didn't fail to the, to, to the extreme that you thought it did. Well, I think, I think, I think a better way to put it is God redeemed it. Like I learned a lot from that. I learned, I learned about things I did. I did wrong. My mm-hmm. false perspectives, things that I need to change about me. Um, I learned a lot. It mm-hmm. was, it was a learning and an experience. And so in that sense, God redeemed it. It was a failure though. Yeah. And I think that that's important. And I, and I think it is important for us to understand that, that God's redemption is not always what we think it's going to be. Um, but if we refuse to fail, that's the biggest failure of all. Gotcha. John, any, uh, resources you'd recommend? On the topic of, of uh, just I guess putting your money where your mouth is. Uh, yeah, um, there's there's uh, I'm gonna forget the title. Uh, what is it? Get out of the boat. Um, oh, that sounds alright. I'm gonna go with that. Something like that, and and I'm failing on on the You're author failing, all of a sudden. John. Dude, I'm failing right now, but uh, you know, step step out of the boat or, or something like that. Um, is is a, just a really good book to to encourage us. Um, you looking it up, John? Yeah, I'm looking it up. 
It looks like step out of the boat, I think, or stepping out of the boat, or... Hmm. Is it yeah, by you, Levi John, Land? No, 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 no. John Ortberg, or, Ortberg wrote a book, If You Want to Walk on Water, You've Got to Get Out of the Boat. Okay. Um, and so I think I think that John Ortberg's good, and, and I think that's a good one to, to encourage us to take those risks, take those chances. Um, and, you know, don't worry about succeeding so much. There's so much that we learn in our failures, too. Right. Uh, John, what's the big idea? Let's go ahead and wrap this up this week. Yeah, the big idea is this. Prideful presumption leads to rejection, but real readiness leads to redemption. Thank you for joining us on the Grace Deep Dive Podcast, where we believe in real grace for real living. We'll see you next week.